uh, kicking off perfectly on time, uh, in time with kickoff. Welcome to Hans Cock. Boys and girls, welcome to the 275th episode, that's a nice important sounding number isn't it, um, of the internet's best, worst, first, last and only English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly and I flipped the microphone the wrong way so hang on a second. There we go, that's better isn't it? I'm Sam Kelly, that should be picking up a bit better now. And um, this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome to the show. By an empty seat representing Tony, because he said he was going to make it but couldn't. Thank you for that Tony. And by one very special guest, uh, for whom I've pulled out all the stops. You mean you walked to the the subdist stop? I cleaned the toilet. I cleaned the toilet as well. We never get that kind of treatment. That's that's a joke, obviously. I mean, the the toilet gets cleaned around this time each year, regardless of who's coming. Um, But uh, yeah, by Phil Carney of Lanus in English Twitter account. Phil, welcome. Good to be here. Phil is supposedly—I mean, he's he's pretending to be down here for the Copa Libertadores final, but we're fully aware uh, that we're the real attraction. There's no need to be so coy, Phil. Um, And we will. Six years in the making just to meet people. Indeed, yes, absolutely. And we will be um, discussing that in one minute, but first of all I'm going to, just because it's what we generally do, go through the results from last weekend in the Superliga and the other significant results that have happened outside the Superliga since then. Uh, Banfield lost 1-0 at home to Defensi Justicia. That's a... For some reason, that's the first time I'm viewing that result, and that is quite a surprising one, even though Defensa have, have been quite good. Chacarita also lost at home, 2-0 to Huracan. That wasn't Colón, for us. No, it wasn't. Um, and Colón, on, also on Friday night, got a 3-1 home victory over Tigre. Patronato de Paraná and Unión played a five-goal thriller on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it finished 3-2 to Unión, obviously, because they're quite a bit of a better team. Uh, Belgrano beat Gimnasia La Plata 2-0 in Córdoba. San Lorenzo beat Argentinos Juniors 1-0 in in Bajo Flores. Um, no offence, man. Sorry. Happy day. Happy San Lorenzo Fans Day, by the way. This is today. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Happy day of the San Lorenzo Fans. And happy Mate Day as well, yeah. apparently. Which I didn't know about until I saw it mentioned on Twitter. Uh, Racing beat... No, they didn't. They lost. <laughs> Come on. Sorry. At home to Independiente in the Clásico de Avellaneda on Saturday night, much later than anybody really wants to watch football, but that doesn't matter, apparently. Estudiantes beat Atletico Tucumán 1-0 in Quilmes, not in La Plata. Um, River lost 3-1 in Belgrano to Newell's Old Boys. Rosario Central beat Boca Juniors 1-0, so a good weekend for the Rosario clubs and a very poor one for both of the giants of Argentine football. Godoy Cruz versus Lanús for some reason was postponed. I can't imagine why that would be. Arsenal de Sarandí lost 1-0 at home to Tacheres on Monday evening. Oh, Monday afternoon. Uh, Vélez Sarsfield 
beat Olympos 3-0 at home on Monday evening and Tempele beat San Martín de San Juan 1-0 at home on Monday night. I thought I was turning the microphone sensitivity down there, but I was actually turning it up. Sorry. Hopefully the background noise will now have gone away, if indeed there was any. Um, sounds like one of my neighbours must be hoovering or something. You can't hear it, but the microphone's picking it up. How strange. Anyway, um, the main results of the weekend, however, were not the weekend. Of the last week, of the last seven days. God, come on, Sam. Sort yourself out. I'm all over the place here. Uh, were two continental matches, one of which was the second leg of the Copa Sudamericana semi-final um, between Independiente of Avellaneda and Libertad of Asuncion in Paraguay. You may recall that Libertad won the first leg 1-0. They lost the second leg 3-1. It was a terrific game. Um, everything that a football match should be. I'm sure that Dan will agree with me, even though his greatest rivals uh, ended up qualifying for the Sudamericana final as a result of it. Didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? Bloody <laughs> hell. You, you missed out. It was, a, it was brilliant. Um, oh, and on Wednesday night, the reason that we are recording this podcast on Thursday, Lanús at home to Gremio in their first ever Copa Libertadores final. And unfortunately, it turned out to be a bit one-sided and it went the way of the team who had already won the first leg. Uh, Gremio ran out 2-1 winners on the night, 3-1 on aggregate. Um, and that's what we're going to start with. We're going to rip the plaster off and get it out of the way quickly yeah. for you, Phil. Um, having come down and landed on Tuesday night, and you're going back on Sunday, you really have come just for this game, because Lanusa no, playing no, on Monday complete, night, right? completely accidentally. It was just a nice coincidence that it fell this way, really. Um, yeah, a bit of a kick in the teeth, really. But what was it like, at least, being able to you know, go to the stadium for the first time? Because uh, how long have you been following Lanusa? I've been wondering this myself, trying to figure out the last couple of days, and I'd say it's probably six years, maybe a little bit over that. So, taking the result aside, fantastic experience, great mm. to meet people I've been talking to for years, actually go to the stadium, but you can't really take the result entirely out of the equation. No, I'm sure you can't. Nice, but a bit of a kick in the teeth. I, I do know at least one or two people who were at the game in which uh, Reba got relegated and, and who now are Reba fans because of that like they, they went along to the game not really sort of caring either way between hey, any of the clubs and, and after that they were like well you can't mm. not support them after yeah, yeah I don't really know what else to say mm. it was great experience and terrible at the same time what well, Lewis I was about to say that ah it seems like a strange shirt from so far away. Honestly, it's a series of quite bizarre accidents. So I became aware of when I was 2011, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I was playing football manager, naturally. Not as naturally, it wasn't the expecting of just playing as Lanus and developing affinity. It was a long-running game I had when I was playing as Manchester City. And I bought a player from Lanus who turned out to be very, very good. And those of us who play FM will know that you can grow quite attached to these teams, these players. So Indeed, it, you can. It became a bit of a thing where, you know, I had this player from Lanos. It was great. The player wasn't Pepe Samra. Right? No, good no. God, that would be. Was it, was it a real player or was no, it no, a real no, I was really deep into this game. But it, it went a long way. Mm. But it ended up where it happened at a time like where I also wasn't sleeping very much. I didn't have much on. So it became a bit of a thing. At some point, I decided, yeah, I'll see if I can watch again. Watch it online. Similar time, I found the podcast, courtesy of some retweeting online. And that was probably like episode 80, 
85, something like that? Six years ago. Six years ago, it would, would have been, been a little bit earlier. It, it would have been 40, around 35 or 40 or so. I don't think I picked up, I wouldn't have picked up it immediately, but it was after River got relegated. Aussie Dan was Okay, yeah, around, so about so. 18 months in, so yeah. Yeah, and I know for certain, by the time it came around to the 100th episode, I've been listening for quite some time. So mm. it started out just me watching, then I remember listening to the pod somewhere in Manchester and deciding, getting in my head that it would be a good idea to start an account on Twitter in English. Because, you know, niche account. That seems like a smart It's pretty niche. As we mentioned all the time, there aren't many, I mean, apart from Newell's Old Boys, there's not really any. There aren't any official English language. If you follow any of the Brazilian stuff, a lot of them are unofficial, but all of them have got English accounts. Mm. There's Mm. basically one, but in Argentina, there's a few more that pop up. So Belgrano have got one, River have got a couple. Yeah, I've seen the River one. Newell's have got an official one, which is nice, but otherwise it's. Dead space. So you know, if, you, if you're yeah. kind of interested, there's there's no competition. And as we have said before, if anybody, uh, any particularly of the Buenos Aires-based uh, clubs, wants an official English language account and wants somebody who knows how to work Twitter, yeah. get in touch with me you and Dan because it. we can. Or the Argentina national team for that matter, which is yeah. inexcusable. They don't have an English language is, Twitter yeah. account, really. Um, or if you're Lionel Messi's manager. He's not even on Twitter, but who cares? Well, he's got a bit of some point, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we play the waiting game. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So he, dragging this back on topic. Yeah. Back on topic, yeah. Just, would you, so would you be in a position to analyse in any kind of cold-blooded way what happened on on Wednesday? I was saying to Sam earlier, he, after the River match, well, at half-time in the River match in the second leg, I was sticking the boot in quite ruthlessly at some of the failings both of individual players not mentioning any names Diego Braguieri mm. and of some of the squad building as a whole and obviously I look like an idiot because we came back won it but yesterday felt like the vindication a little bit because it was Gremio were good but a lot of that was self-inflicted and, and in yeah. fact I mean it wasn't as if you were sort of obviously an idiot even at the time because no, it's just, it's when, it, when it comes to trying to get through a two-legged knockout tie going 3-0 down on aggregate isn't the best strategy it's certainly not the even if you one. end up winning yeah it's not the obvious one but so. um, I mean over the, the course of the two legs obviously Lanus didn't really show no. what they're capable of I, I was happy with the first leg it was really disappointing to yeah. concede when we did because it was so late on we Obviously, we weren't the best. You know, we were always going to be the weaker team. Looking at it coldly, because Grammy Holder, they're a bigger team. They've got mm. more money, arguably better players. So it was always going to be an uphill struggle. But we, I felt we acquitted ourselves quite well. But then to concede, I think it was eight minutes from the end. Plus than that wasn't it? I thought it was like the 89th minute. I've got it in my head. It was the 83rd, but I'll be wrong. Oh, okay. But either way, last ten minutes, it was. That was disappointing, but it felt like we actually we worked hard. We, we were actually playing the same game rather than just running around whilst Gremio were playing football. Yeah. But the second leg, we just did not get going. At all. I, think no, yeah, yeah. I think you have to say in the second leg. I can't remember much of the first leg for whatever reason. It was very gritty. I think. Yeah. The, the first leg was. But, yeah. But the second leg, it was uh, more of a battle. I think. Yeah. It was more even, and it became about a worse the second leg. In no, in the second leg, look. Gremio were superior. There's yeah. kind of no other way to say it. They, they press better, they move the ball around better. They just had a couple of moments. Um, I mean, it wasn't by any means a one sided game. I think 2 1 was probably a fair score. 
Um, I think Gremio suffered a bit after half time. They weren't the same team when um, Artur Melo, the, the midfielder who had probably one of the best first halves I've seen from a, from a South American midfielder for quite some time. He was flawless. And when he went off, like they lost a little bit of rhythm. Uh, you thought, you know, Ilanus can, can close a gap. You never saw him getting back into it. But no, that, I think that was got the main it. thing. Yeah. It was the, the gap going from, you know, sort of three goals from Robin yeah. to It was just that little bit too far. Yeah. Plus, um, as well, kind of in just at that moment where you need everyone to be strong, there were individual errors that, that cost Ilanus dearly. dearly. Yeah. I mean, a that shocking, fir- shocking, shocking first goal, really. It wasn't just him, it was the way they came oh, back as well. Fernandinho just sprinted away and everyone just kind of let him go. It's been the thing that's slightly bothered me more than anything else has been. There was always a decent chance we'd lose because mm. a team of that quality is always a possibility, but to do it in that way is just that little bit harder. Yeah. Following that mistake, um, which led to Gremio's first goal, uh, Jose Luis Gomez after the match said that he was retiring from football. He's only 24 years old. <laughs> I suspect yeah. that he will have woken up this morning hoping that nobody remembers him saying that last night. No, I think he'll be right. I certainly hope that he doesn't go through with it. I don't think there's much chance of that, to be honest. <laughs> no. I heard almost as soon as he came out, someone used the phrase drama queen. Yes, indeed. Not wanting to be too judgy, it might not be too far from the truth. No, I can imagine you know, must be making that kind of mistake. Yeah, exactly. Be totally just... devastating. But no, he'll be back. He's, yeah, you know, he's... One mistake doesn't make for a bad play he's, he's had a, a tough sort of six months off yeah. so maybe a bit longer but he's, there's still quality in there yeah yeah definitely yeah and he's, he's surely got a fighting chance of, of possibly working his way into St Pauli's thinking if he plays well enough January, February possibly I don't see it if he's outside chance but not he'd need a he, really he'd really very need good to kick six on. months he's, yeah. not, he's not been if you're coming off the championship that we won I would entirely agree to yeah. an almost annoying degree but he's been a little bit hit and miss and coming off something like that it's and then on it seems like a reach on a slightly brighter side you had Pepe Sand who confirmed top, himself as top Loretta top goal scorer in Libertadores not three years team. after he was playing for Boca Unida in the second division now Aldo he Sufi is the well. cream not, not only of, that but he also became the oldest goal scorer yes. in Copa Libertadores final yep. history I think we can all agree like, without equivocation that a fine goal scorer a great striker <laughs> indeed yeah, no, no one's going to argue with that at all, particularly not fans of any of the other clubs that Jose Sand has played for and no, failed not. to do mm. anything at all for. Yeah. Well, at least for their first teams, after <laughs> doing, pulling up trees at the youth yeah. sides, and, yeah. some of them as well. Um, and what of um, Amiron, the coach's future? I saw a couple of things like, they don't know, he's like. He's been linked to Las Palmas. No, I was going to say Europe has to be. Hey, he, I have not seen anything definitive, but it feels like the end of the era. In every, in every way he's but more generally that even just an arm and on but he feels mm. like this is it yeah. this, he's, you know. then again we said the same it's about Gacharro the other week and about three days later he came out and said he was still in yeah <laughs> so it's, 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 it's kind of a weird one I think, it's, it's, I think Gachardo's got a stronger sort of jumping off point from River yeah and he's he got about the audience yeah. next year he doesn't have this. to do it off a title when he's always going to have a degree of visibility which I don't think Almiron's no, and, and, and the other thing is that Almiron is, is at a club who no offence Phil but a, a smaller club a club who aren't going to be able to keep hold of, of their up and coming no. players as easily not that it's we've, particularly easy for any club in we, we've already struggled after losing Gustavo Gomez yeah. we've not replaced them it's precisely and also 
he's got you know some of the key players in this team. Jose Sand in particular. Martin Velasquez, Pepe Sand, both thirty-seven. Martinez thirty-five. Precisely. So it's it's sort of there's a bit less scope there, maybe for for reinventing the team when you you're going to have to replace the the best three players in exactly. Yeah. uh, At some point in the next eighteen months, Mm -hmm. one would think on on the very outside. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder how much. Pepe's going to have now to carry on, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the form's there, but he was saying you know, last what's night he got to play for now? Like? He was saying last night he's not decided whether he's going yeah. to continue or not. He's going to have to talk to his family, and maybe it will be purely a family decision after I think it might be linked to whether or not on stays, because after me, with all that's going on, mm. you back into at this age, decide, new manager, mm. new cycle, 37 going on 38, do you really want to try and keep going with that? as well indeed and, and River Plate are looking for a centre forward maybe he'll go mm. back and have a honeymoon I'm sure that would be, that would be received so well indeed <laughs> everybody will be delighted particularly River fans oh, yeah. cheering him on again that's sarcasm in case anybody's not aware of the fact that uh, yeah, he River had a little run in with River I'm still a little bit confused about exactly why there is so much dislike it's just it's like so I mean, River well. let him go because he wasn't very good for them yeah um, Didn't he come out later as a Boca he, fan or something like that? Yeah, like, and, and since then he, accusations he, he always seems yeah. yeah. a bit weird. Libel. Um, but anyway, yeah, Gremio, credit to Gremio. Renato Gaucho, it's like Renato Gaucho, um, became the first Brazilian ever to win the Libertadores as both a player and a manager. He did so um, for Gremio as a player 34 years ago, in mm-hmm. eight, 19, oh, 18, 83. 1983 uh, when they won their first Libertadores yeah. this of course was their third because they won it in 95 as well um, and I think deserving winners uh, overall over the course of the knockout stage they were you know, yeah. clearly the best side at, at the start, at the end of the group stage I think that at least one of us said that River and Gremio looked like the two favourites and then of yeah. course River lost to Lario Andriussi and it turned out they didn't have any any way of, at all of replacing them because all of their substitutes are awful yeah. and they don't have a goalkeeper um, and crucially as well Gremio do have a very good goalkeeper yes. I found yes. it yes. weird really. last night in tweeting that he even was, though he, he didn't do very much in the first half, but what he did was important he yeah. at least one one save from Maxi Velasquez last night which was if that had gone in that could have been the start yes, of the comeback yeah. precisely and, he, was and never, he was never looked troubled two of the saves of the, probably the two saves of the, of the competition during the semi-final against Barcelona as well it's really weird to sort of say that a team who so clearly are the worthy champions and yet their best player was the goalkeeper. But I think it was because Luan is, is obviously a player of enormous talent and, and he's going to go on to do great things. He disappointed me a little bit in the second leg of the semi and the first leg of the final. Um, whereas Marcelo Grohe just stood he up just when there. he needed to be yeah, stood up. Yeah. And Artur, as you say, Dan, was um, man of the match in the, in the second leg, in spite of the fact that he had to go off after 50 minutes. Yeah, he got man of the <laughs> It was immense in that first half, you're quite right. Um, so congratulations, Gremio, if we have any um, Gremio fan listeners. I don't know what you call yourselves, or rather I probably do, but I've forgotten. Gremialistas. Yes, let's call them that. Sounds Um Congratulations to you. Hard luck, Nanus. Where next from here? The answer to that is that on Monday afternoon, Lanus host Beres Sarsfield in what is going to feel a little bit like after the Lord Mayor's party, in more ways than one, because Phil's going to be back in England by that time. Oh, I think I'll be still going to play at that point. Yeah, one of the Possibly. two. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that you couldn't uh, get to see a rather more winnable home match before. Uh, at the very least, I saw Pepe score. Indeed. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Something I only just managed in about a season of <laughs> watching Racing, so 
No, no. Ahí busca y me manga. That was in a, in a clásico. Es independiente, ¿no? We could have done with a couple of them goals on Saturday. Indeed, you could have. So that's a perfect segue into That's what I was going for, yeah. The league. Well done, Dan. Um, you thought this through more than I have. I have, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know it, but yeah. Right. Um, Racing lost 1 0 to Independiente at half past nine, or in a match kicking off at half past nine on Saturday night. Uh, Dan, you were there, I believe. I was there, yeah. What did you make of it? This was your. 37th Classical de Avicenona something like that hmm no it's not that many uh, 36 huh I'm exaggerating for comic effect oh I see no, I actually just tried to work it out I mean it shouldn't be that hard I've been here for 8 years and 2 Classicals a year so like yeah probably about the 10th I've seen in life mm-hmm. um, a fairly favourable uh, kind of average Apart from the ones when, where I used to go down to Independiente Stadium, which were always dreadful, dreadful games. Getting back to this one, it was a very strange, strange game. Basically, uh, Racing could have won, should have won, uh, had the chances to at least get a draw. Uh, gifted a goal to Independiente pretty early on through Leandro Martínez. Fernandez was Leandro it? Fernandez, uh, yeah. From thanks to Sergio Vitor, the, the defender who believes he's Beckenbauer and plays like Beckenbauer's, I don't know, arthritic uncle, so he must be about 100 now. Um, just started dicking around with the ball, gave it away and didn't really bother. It's kind of similar actually to, to what Gomez did. Um, on Wednesday but a little bit more blatant I think well I think it was worse it, it, it was worse because he dawdled on the ball, ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and was sort of he could have just done any, I mean he could have passed oh, it, yeah, it was much worse. he could have pooped it up the pitch yeah, and it, he allowed him to get it taken off him whereas what Gomez did was just I mean, he was clearing yeah. basically but you know, yeah. at least the other guy already had the ball and was running with it and Gomez failed to get it off him rather than giving the ball up yes I agree it was worse definitely and from them uh, Independiente pulled out every single trick in the book to run down the clock the time wasting was painful if you happened to be in the stadium and just wanted to get on with it particularly from young Mr. Rehak the Independiente goalkeeper goalkeeper oh my god who I think uh, he, he seems to actually genuinely have injured himself taking he did something yeah I don't think it was particularly but there were those of us watching on television for a while and on Twitter people were going like this this guy is just an amazing actor because he was in absolute agony, tears streaming down his face, having to be treated for about five minutes, and he's then he got, decided he's got to, to play on. Teaching them young, and, and only got subbed about three or four minutes later when he made another save and, and hurt himself even worse. I mean, it's just yeah, it was bizarre. It kind of sums up the match. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stats which you've pulled up now. Racing had shot, seventeen so. shots to Independiente's three, and Racing's in a very nice. Line pretty much in line with the um, penalty spot, whereas Independientes were, well, two from more or less where the goal was scored, one of which was the goal, and one from well outside the penalty box. Uh, free kick um, from Fernandez, which was actually a really good save from Musa, the yeah. keeper. Um, no, it was a funny. Yeah, expected yeah. goals are not a stat that gets mentioned in Argentina yet. I'm mm. trying to make it a bit of a thing. Uh, but I think the expected goals for this match would have been something that Racing must have had about two and a half, and Independiente had possibly. Point eight or something. Yeah, the they, had, they had a couple of chances. Yeah, um, but basically, I think everyone who's seen who's seen Racing in recent weeks knows that when they have to push for a game and push for a goal, they can't do it. 
we saw it against uh, Libertad when they went into the home leg 1-0 down in the Sudamericana quarters and pretty much fruitlessly tried to score a goal for 90 minutes not really doing anything we've seen it in well throwing in loads of crosses into the box against a Paraguayan team who were the stereotype of a Paraguayan yeah at least there wasn't very comfortable yeah. in the air at least there weren't that many high crosses today and we should mention that for quite a large part of the game at least for a half and a bit more in the beginning with, with 10 men mm. uh, and also fielding their reserve team because they and their reserve. it was kind of a reserve team from the halfway line back like the the forwards weren't Particularly reserves, I don't think. Yeah, they were. Nah, Leandro Fernandez plays. Leandro Fernandez Erviti there. was a sub on Tuesday night. Erviti's a reserve. Taliaficos plays. Taliafico was the only regular starter in that lineup. Nah, Leandro yeah. Fernandez plays. That was a starter. Yeah, I've seen yeah. him play a few times. Anyway, so yeah, it was Carry just on. another another sign of Racing's impotence in front of goal and you know inability to create regular chances they had a couple of chances Lautaro Martinez again hit the post when the goal was screaming for him to just enter uh, Lissandro um, hit one well over which was a bit disappointing uh, it was dr- Lissandro Lopez who was dropped controversially well not really controversially because Coca wanted to keep the same team that should beat Boca but in the world of Racing which is crazy it was controversial and it was obviously going to backfire if Racing happened to lose, which they did. If they'd have won, no one would have said anything, but that's football, basically. And so, yeah, Racing lost at home to a Independiente B team that spent most of the game wasting time. And that accounted for Diego Coca, who this Wednesday or Tuesday, I believe, mm. handed in his rating nation for his second spell at the club. So where next for Racing? I won't go too much into it because I saw we have a question about it. Okay. Um, I'll say for now because I'll have a little think, but for now I'm a little bit stumped. Marcelo Bielsa has been named. He always is when these jobs come up and as he will never actually end up... He's still at Lille officially. No, he's not. He's been been sacked. Has been sacked now. Sacked for going to see his his mate on his deathbed. Indeed. Um, And um, I also saw somebody... (laughs) Perhaps slightly mischievously, but they were a Racing fan mm. asking uh, Achita Ludueña, who's one of the Racing uh, um, radio people uh, on Twitter, yeah. asking him um, whether <laughs> whether they thought that uh, Almiron might be heading to Racing. Which, given that Almiron, of course, is a former Independiente manager, would be an interesting move. He wouldn't be the first, to be honest, like manager-wise. Uh, let me think. I had some in my head just now, but there's been a couple. I think even Maschi or the, um, the Racing player who won mm. the Libertadores with us then went to uh, Independiente and won the Libertadores with them as manager. So I think it's a little bit different for managers than, than players. They do have a little bit more uh, flexibility to move around. But I can't see Almiron going to Racing at the moment. Or indeed staying in Argentina. No, um, I think he's paid his dues for now. Yes, on Tuesday night, as we've mentioned already, Independiente made it a very, very good week for them by beating Libertad 3-1 in a gloriously entertaining game. All of the goals came in the first half. Independiente took a 2-0 lead with two goals about two minutes apart, well, one minute apart of actual playing time, really. A penalty from Ezequiel Barco, 
and a um, nicely stabbed in first goal for Emmanuel Gigliotti, who is Independiente's starting centre forward. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, because as I said, Leandro Fernandez was an unused substitute. Gigliotti's been rotated, let's say. Like I've yeah, seen him okay. play, I've seen Fernandez play a few times. Like. And the altitude of Lima is notoriously difficult for yes, interesting teams. Of course. Um, but uh, yes, anyway, we'll, we'll try not to be quite so bitchy to us because Phil's starting to get a bit uncomfortable and wonder how much joking we're doing with us. Actually, so am I. I'm, I'm feeling quite offended. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, again, that was a joke. I need, a, I need that sign that we had a few years yes. ago. Um, the the second half, was, I, I thought, was also pretty good, but that was largely because I was watching it as a neutral and one goal for Libertad, of course, would have sent them through on the way goals. Um, and it was sort of very nicely tense and, and tight and, and sort of entertaining for that reason I suspect for Independiente fans it would have been heart in mouth stuff unfortunately Peter isn't here uh, because he's currently in England on holiday but hopefully he'll be back for the final so that we can get him on at some point to talk about that Um, they will play either Atletico Junior of Colombia or Flamengo of Brazil Um, the second leg of that semi-final which Flamengo currently lead 2-1 is being played in wherever Atletico Junior Barranquilla thank you Uh, in Barranquilla shortly after we record or possibly right now but we're currently watching San Lorenzo versus Atletico Tucumán in the league Um, it's being played where where are we not quite yet probably after this game I reckon uh, yeah, 21.15 or 21.45 is the kickoff time for that one. Uh, so if you carry on listening, I will let you know both the full-time score of San Lorenzo Atletico Tucumán, which is currently 1-0 to San Lorenzo after they got a very early goal. There's half an hour gone now. Um, and also the full-time score of that so that you know who Independiente's opponents in the Copa Sudamericana final will be. Having been very happy that the Libertadores and Sudamericana were moved to year-round tournaments... Mm-hmm. Um, you will recall the joy with which I reported this around a year ago yes. when Comebol announced it. Um, I have to say, I'm quite struck by, and also entirely unsurprised, given that this is Comebol we're talking about, by the fact that they've played the Libertadores before the Sudamericana final, rather than oh, having true. it as the sort of big grand finale. And also, we in the go, same we week... We can't bring in logic into South American football. The semi-finals and the final of the Libertadores and the quarter-finals and the semi-finals of the Sudamericana overlapped and have played in the same week so it gets to the point where a casual football fan or somebody who doesn't really care about football at all like my girlfriend could be forgiven for getting confused about what competition they're watching exactly from game to game particularly when you've got two semis in the Libertadores and four quarters in the Sudamericana being played overlapping with each other at times I was getting confused (laughs) I mean on Twitter I almost typed a Sudamericana quarterfinal at one point instead of Libertadores semifinal for one of the matches it's just why just if you're going to take it into a 12-month championship, you can afford to have the games not overlapping with each other. So do that, surely. Isn't that the way to do it? You're asking a lot, sir. I know I am. You know, step by step, we've got it to a year. Now we'll see what happens next. I continue, to entertain, oh, I continue right. to entertain this fantasy that like one it. day I will be joint president of the AFA and Comnibol, and the South American football will then begin to make sense. But it's not going to happen, is it? That's just what Comnibol needs. An English gentleman to sort everything up. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> And it's that kind of attitude that put England in the place that it is today in world football. Um, also made us hated by quite a lot of the world. Quite. Uh, Ezequiel Barco was superb in the semi-final, by the way. He has come on tremendously. Yes. He's, he's really he's enjoying it. that left-wing position that he's been put into as well this season by Ariel Olan. 
Um, I was on another podcast talking about him yesterday and actually looked up a couple of um, interviews with him on YouTube of old ones. Uh, and one of them was from just a couple of months ago. They asked him how he's getting on. And he said, yeah, I didn't like it at first. I thought I was just sort of, uh, I thought, well, it, it's minutes yeah. on the pitch, so I'll take it. But I was hoping to get the number 10 shirt back again or the number 10 roll back again. But now I'm getting used to it. I like the space. I like taking on the fullback. Um, and he looks like he's, you know, Yeah, he's one. looking good. And he's the first Definitely. choice penalty taker, which at the age of 18, uh, and considering some of the yeah. players and some of the experience in independent this squad, is really impressive in itself as well. But Giliotti's got, got previous, you know, Indeed. from the penalty spot. So, yeah, I mean, it's not really a surprise because we've been raving about Barcos since he first broke into the team. Uh, on yeah, the and with, thing, with uh, Argentina under-20s and all that, he was one of their one of their cornerstones mm-hmm. alongside uh, Lautaro and, and a couple of other guys. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, he's made the jump up. Right? Indeed, and it's, uh, it's nice to see him succeeding. Um, nice might be a, bit, well, okay, a strong good, word, but... It's interesting, you know. I don't hold anything personal against the kid. I enjoy it, uh, as by and large a neutral. Um, back to the Superliga. Boca River both lost. Indeed, yeah, we have to cover this, don't we? So River lost yes. 3-1 to Newell's, and lots of Boca fans laughed at them on Twitter, and then they lost 1-0 to Central and made it two defeats in a row in the Superliga. And all of a sudden, we have a title race. If San Lorenzo hang on to the win that they are currently online to get against Atletico Tucumán, they will be level on points with Boca Juniors two and a half weeks after being nine points behind them. Admittedly, Boca will have a game in hand, of course, because this game's been brought forward um, from the 12th round because of Atletico yes. Tucumán being involved in the Copa Argentina final, which it has now been announced is going to be on the 9th of December in Mendoza. I can't remember the kickoff time, but it doesn't matter. Um, it does if you're going, but none of you are, so it doesn't matter. Um, so, um, yeah. What's happened to Boca? I think it's the worst result for, for a river, to be honest, than Boca, if we're going to signal anything up. Yeah, sure, but uh, Boca are the league leaders. So yeah, I mean... We'll start with them. Because River... I mean, OK, no, let, let's do this. River's problems are the same problems that Andres and I were discussing last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that the, the midweek victory over Union, uh, which we were talking after uh, on last week's podcast, didn't really sort of disguise the fact that River are putting everything into the Copa Argentina final. They might very well not win it the way that they're playing at the moment. Um, and need a serious reorganisation of the squad. And against Newell's, I think the biggest surprise really was that Newell's managed to score three off their own bat rather than River losing the game per se. Thanks to the immense Luis Leal, who I don't think I've ever seen before, no, well, but just kind of exploded. I don't blame you because he's crap. And he was crap for the first 70 minutes as well. And then he just and then came on, I was like, fucking yeah. hell, is this guy? Scored a goal, won a penalty. Admittedly, yeah. he won a penalty after taking about 10 minutes to make up his mind about whether he was going to take mm. a shot and then got bundled over in the box. He was very lucky. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was really, really good for about the 12 minute yeah. spell from sort of 70 minutes ish onwards. Um, and I think he's yeah. now got his name amongst the highest European scorers in the, in the Argentine league. Not particularly high, but he's, he's Portuguese, he's isn't he? I forgot. Yes. I think born in Portugal, it plays for the Sao Tome national team, something like that. Oh, well, interesting. And you were speaking, interestingly enough, we have mentioned it before on Hand of Pod, uh, but today you went down to meet and interview another European playing in Argentina. I did, yes. Uh, David Oloay, I believe his surname is. You did or, ask him, didn't you? Well, I've seen it written down. It seemed kind of rude to say how, how to pronounce Oluwaye? it. Oh, Oluwaye, yeah. Oluwaye. It's a Nigerian name. Isn't Nigerian, it? yeah. He said his dad's Nigerian and his, or his mum's Nigerian. What, his dad's Nigerian, Nigerian, I believe, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, he's um, a young kid from Romford who's playing in Gerli for El Porvenir. So Romford, Gerli, yeah, similar, I guess. Very long term Hand of Pod listeners will remember that El Porvenir are famously, famously in Hand of Pod terms, uh, the club closest to the hospital in which Seba was born. Indeed, yes, they have that phone. So uh, that, that's about the most relevant thing that we can say about them. Yeah. Uh, I did ask David today and he said, I asked him what he knew about El Porvenir when he came to Argentina. He said, I only know that it was the, pl- the club closest to the hospital where Seba Garcia was born. He so might not have said that, but I like, you know, I choose to believe. It was in his eyes. It was in his eyes, yeah. yeah. He, he kind of made himself a more they said, no, I've never heard of El Porvenir, but I know. I knew he would. That's what he was thinking. Uh, no, so he became... I think last week, the first English person ever to play uh, professional football in Argentina. Obviously, the, before the on professional, professional, because, yeah, yeah, because obviously before professionalism, it was a sport that came from the English. So there were a few expats back in the the railway and and leather days who would have played football for alumni and these historic clubs. And indeed for the national team. When the and national for the team national team, going. exactly. But since the professional age began, they've had referees, <laughs> but never um, never players. So mm-hmm. Dave is happy about that. He, now he's looking to kick on. Uh, he was he, he couldn't play for about three months because of something that, that touched, has probably touched us all. <laughs> all of us uh, foreigners in Argentina closely. The um, problem with his papers, with his re- residency. Um, it's a little bit more serious for him because he's sort of a little bit more visible than we are when we write our columns, you know, not really being allowed to be here. Uh, so now, you know... Both both Dan and I are now allowed to be here, though. Yes. we have since... Um, and the past is the past. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me alone. Um, ah, we were talking about Boca at some point as well. We were going to talk about Boca. Probably Boca. We had just finished talking about yes. River Newells because, as I said, we, we don't want to go over the same problems that Andres and I have already discussed in some depth in past weeks. I could do um, another segue and say that uh, the two clubs that David Oluwaye wants to play for are Manchester United and Boca. Who we're going to talk about now. Those are the two clubs. One very good names. choice and one appalling choice. I'm, I'm yeah, I've never here. been a great United fan. I, I, I saw that he was um, a United supporter when, mm. when I started looking through interviews for him um, when he first came to my attention. But yeah. uh, I did not realise that he was a Boca sympathiser as well. He's a Boca sympathiser for his sins. Down in my estimation. Nobody's perfect. Um, so Boca. Uh, the big indeed. problem with Boca was... It's, they don't have any strikers beyond Dario Benedetto and Walter Bow. Who? And Walter Bow got injured on the morning of the game. And Dario, Dario Benedetto... Mm. Did his cruciate sin yes, last which, week. Yes, which we mentioned on last ah, week. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but Benedetto is out until pretty much the World Cup mm-hmm. and presumably won't be up to the World Cup, although Sao Paulo seems to like him enough that I, I wouldn't put money on him not going necessarily. Mm, I don't think so. Again, no. I'm, I'm yeah. joking, but, um, you know, yeah, given, given the other options, it would not seem to be the most sensible choice. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Junior Benitez, Oscar Benitez, played centre forward in inverted commas for Boca on Sunday mm. evening um, against Central. Central took a very, very early lead to a Marco Ruben header which came off the crossbar and bounced over the line and very late on indeed Christian Pavon had, I think it was Pavon no, it was um, Edwin Cardona had a tremendous shot from the edge of the box which hit the post mm. at the same goal of course because one was the first half one was the second half yeah. so that would work arguably Central's man of the match yeah, it's going to be tough for Boca. Like, um, obviously, Benedetto so key for them 
for his goals and just for what he represents as this uh, centre forward who's always there, misses very few minutes of play. Um, and obviously that was compounded by losing their other first just, you know, centre forward in Boulder the morning of the game. Yeah. And of course, uh, anyone who's been following Argentine football for the last couple of years know that Central Boca is almost on the on the level of a Clásico at the moment. There's really no love lost there, particularly for Central against Boca. They're yeah. still very aggrieved at what happened in the 2015 Copa Argentina final uh, with Herrera as a ref. Yes. Some of the worst decisions I've ever seen uh, a, a top-flight match, let's say. Which is a remarkably high bar to clear when you're talking about Argentine football. Just generally anywhere, to be honest. like There were terrible, terrible mistakes. Uh, so yeah every game Central really want to beat Boca they did it they knew they could do it because they had done it just a while ago in the Copa Argentina as well so they're a team unlike most others uh, except for Coca um, who I think has won the last five games against Boca oh really? yeah oh well indeed it's kind of like in all the league it's kind of Central and Diago Coca you know how to beat Boca with various clubs, in other words, so not not as Racing manager. No, as Racing manager. Oh well, okay. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, yeah, of course, because you mean Racing have won five under him, but of yes, course he wasn't there those, five in a row. So no, right. with those two spells. I yeah. See what you mean, yeah. So I don't know who Boca have got this weekend. I'm sure we'll get on it, we'll but look it up I wouldn't be surprised to see him get back to form. I was just saying that uh, creatively, at least, they've not suffered too much. They managed fewer shots than Central, fourteen to ten. Um, but most of them were from sort of well okay about half of them were from fairly decent um, positions in fairly good situations the the difficulty is that they haven't got anybody who can reliably stick them in there I would have some serious doubts about Julian Benitez as a striker frankly having yeah. watched him for, I know, for so long he's skilled he can dribble he can take players on but he's frustrating to the and in uh, fairness to him that same it's, summary it's, kind of he can could do go it. for a lot of Boca players, to be honest, he for Pablo, for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's not as if he sort of is a number nine. No, he's no, not. He, he's he's very he much he's like an inside fault. He's exactly. very like a nine and a half or a ten. Normally cuts in from the left. Yeah. yeah. Um, he has he has some of the requisite skills, but it's if they're pinning their title winning hopes on him, it's that has to be an issue. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, the person who could be in line to for that position this weekend for Boca is Guido Badala, who actually mm-hmm. came on late in the um, in the game against Central, and again is is a name who will be familiar to some of you because he signed for was it Fulham or oh he went to Juventus didn't he Juventus. about the Tevez deal yes Tevez came out to Boca but did he um, actually go or was it a first option and then he ended up sure. no he he went at some point and then he's, he's ended up I think he's on loan at Boca now again oh, right. or he was loaned to Juventus for a year or two, two something two like that. I can't remember. There was some really, it was weird, a really deal weird deal where they le- they loaned Boca in inverted commas about three or four youth players for two years after yeah. giving them first refusal on them to start yeah. with. They then six months later loaned, and one of them was Badala, and he yeah. came back to Union on loan. I don't know why Fulham came to mind. Somebody else. No, what, there was an Argentine at Fulham. Uh, Casasola uh, defender. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, um, who who is a, a Boca youth product yes. if I remember rightly? Um, no, he was a Huracan youth product. Oh, Brought him from Huracan for like $1.5 million and then sold him to Fulham to for $1 million. But he went to Boca. He was at Fulham, Boca. Fulham bought yeah. him from Boca. Brilliant. Okay, it fine. was some kind of weird, another weird business deal there. So I'm not going mad. And I suspect that you're quite right that Boca will get back to winning ways this week because they're playing Arsenal at home. 
Um, so if they don't win that, yeah, yeah. then we'll talk about Christ. If they don't, then even even as, as neutrals and, and taking our River and Racing supporting hats off, Dan and I will be justified in laughing our asses off if they don't win that much. Um, because Arsenal are frankly not very good. As no. It will not come as a surprise at all to regular listeners to hear. They lost... Uh, I'm assuming I can't see the score at home to Tacheres Tacheres have been a little bit out of sorts recently but they got back on the horse as it were Um, Venice got a 3-0 win over Olimpo which was almost entirely unremarkable really Venice have got some talented players they look good one game they look not so good yeah I I can't put my finger Um, on Venice to be honest it was uh, you know it it, it lifts them up above serious relegation trouble for the moment it must be so exciting to follow Villas at the moment because you win 3-0 one week then you lose 4-0 then you win 3-0 then you lose 5-0 you never know what's going to happen but the interesting thing with this in fact is that the sort of player of the moment at Venice uh, Maxi Romero didn't play that game Federico Andrana and Jonathan Cristaldo were the two uh, Fords. I think Romero must be injured because um, Berges- ah, Bergesio came off the bench. I didn't realise Bergesio went to Bergesio came off the bench. He's been linked with Racing for a while. Yeah, uh, um, returning hero. So yeah. it looks as if perhaps Venice are starting to get. They, they've got a, a caretaker manager in. De Felipe left, right? Yeah. De Felipe, yeah, he's, he's left. Um, so it looks as if Venice are perhaps starting to, um, you know, go with the experienced but frankly not so good players over the young players who I think are more talented generally but just don't have any kind of leadership I remember seeing Cristallo the first time he was in Aveles I think yeah. what was it about six years he was fantastic really really good he went to um, Metalist I think in Ukraine just didn't really do anything yeah. it was a shame so it looks like I don't know if he's back on loan or if he's back permanently not but too, good to see him back not sure yeah, um, it's not that important yeah, and the other game we've not mentioned the other big five side really San Lorenzo against Argentinos 1-0 win for San Lorenzo uh, the goal was scored about if I remember rightly very early on it was a scramble after a free kick it was scored let's see nine minutes in by Nicolas Blandi who scored um, tonight as well indeed yes surprise surprise uh, it was sort of clawed from already over the line back out by Argentinos goalkeeper Lucas Chavez um and that was all San Lorenzo needed by and large so they did I think looking at those yeah, yeah. Argentinos had the lion's share of the possession and they created some very good chances they couldn't well they created a few very good chances and, and a bunch of long shots um, and they couldn't really do very much with it but San Lorenzo when you've got Blandi up front yeah he's always going to get a chance and he'll usually put it in and it's funny I remember I was actually writing a preview of, of this game that's taking place now last night and the thing that I, I mentioned was if you know we've got the, the map here of where the shots were taken from Argentinos had 13 shots none of which only three of which were from inside, from inside the penalty box one of those was from the, almost the penalty spot I think that might have been a penalty something. yes it was it was a penalty which was missed uh, San Lorenzo only had four shots but two of them were from inside the six yard box and one of them was the goal and the other was I think the header that led to the goal because there was a bit of a scramble um, it's so funny with San Lorenzo like the quality of shots rather yeah. than the, the, the number of them at times it's a funny thing because I don't know about you but I tend to get most of my San Lorenzo information from Mariano's Twitter account <laughs> and obviously we we went out we had a barbecue with Mariano the other day the, the subject came up and if you listen to him talk you think that San Lorenzo are about 25th in the league absolutely no hypers but what they're three points off the top and they can go level with with this result, right? Yes, exactly. That's, as yeah. I said at the start of the show, as he said, yeah. first, having played one game more than Boca, 
Uh, but still, yeah. joint first on 24 points. I think it's fair to say they're not really um, wowing anyone. It's been like functional football. It's been yeah, they, they've, had, they've had a few games where, where, where they've looked decent to play. And, I mean, the thing is, they've got talented players, but they haven't sort of quite settled into... Um, to, to the season yeah. somehow and it's a very short season this is the thing so we're already over a third of the way into the season now well you said it's um, very short but it's not as short as other seasons like in terms we of were, numbers of games when we're in the half season no when we're games, in the half season it's, season it's less like yeah of more. course yeah but it's, it's still a, it's a 27 match over yeah, the course yeah. of a whole European length you know August to May season um, it's not very many games at all um, and so yeah it, it's a bit sort of Frustrating in no sense. The only other game that we will mention because we have been going for quite some time already is Patronato Union, which was a partidazo. It was Ooh. brilliant to watch. 3 2. Did anyone um, watch it though? That's a question. I did. I watched, <laughs> I, most, did. I watched most of it anyway. Well, um, yeah. it, was, it was an absolutely cracking one and it left Union currently, not counting this San Lorenzo game that's currently being played, of course, uh, joint second with San Lorenzo. They're on 21 points. Uh, obviously they, they have played a game more because they played against uh, Vélez last week and, and beat them um, but yeah it was it was really entertaining stuff uh, Patronato took a 1-0 lead early on through Sebastián Rivas Diego Zavala equalised Franco Soldano who I said last week was really old and veteran and it turns out he's 23 years old I was getting confused with must be another Soldano I hope there is otherwise I'm, either that or I don't know what I'm talking about the, the second is frankly more likely um, it put Union 2-1 ahead in the 20th minute and then in the second half Sebastián Rivas got his second goal of the game to make it 2-2 and uh, Lucas Gamba scored a penalty with 12 minutes to go Lucas Prawn um, to win it or Lucas Leg for Union yes Leg as well um, indeed but yeah that was a it was a really really good game it was one of those which you don't necessarily expect to be decent and you think well I'm going to stick it on because it's it's sort of it's still football it's, uh, <laughs> and also it, it's kind of my job so I should watch this and then it turns out to be really entertaining and you're sort of happy that you put the effort in um, anyway we're going to take a break now we're going to down these glasses that uh, are still quite full uh, because there was a, a break which you won't have heard because I'm an expert editor um, mm. and we will come back after this theme music and answer some listeners questions and talk about I don't know we could talk about the World Cup draw or something since it's going to be happening a few Do we have to? I hate talking about draws. Yeah, not Draws so and prize giving are the two things I loathe about. So football. do I normally, but people want to hear it, Dan. We have to give the people what they want. But what can we say? I don't know. Stop blowing your nose on air. Sorry. We apologise. we already stopped talking to him. We apologise for Daniel's behaviour. He's got a cold, so we'll, we'll let him off. Yeah, it's too cold in Argentina right now. It is. If you're a Hand of Pod listener, then all you need to do to appear on Hand of Pod is to come to Buenos Aires, like Phil yes, has done. He's getting the full much. experience now. It's, it's probably as if you're listening to the episode. <laughs> as it's being live yeah. in the story, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he's also experiencing, during the break just now, uh, why so many of you hear background noise yeah. so frequently on the podcast. It's because I don't have double glazing, nor does anybody else in Argentina. And my, um, the 
the drivers who drive right past my flat, like pretty much every driver in Argentina, are fucking dickheads. Yes. Uh, but anyway. Although my new place is a fairly acceptable level of, of ambient noise. It is, yeah, because it's right inside it. the block. It's, yes. it's beautiful. We need some soft furnishing to be able to record there more often, because I've noticed it's a little bit echoey sometimes for the microphone when we ah, record. Right. But uh, that's uh, just well, a, a tip you for you. You, you notice it's, it's echoey because there's no noise from elsewhere, I'm guessing. That as well, yeah. Um, anyway, we'll move on to listeners' questions. Um, right after I mentioned that last week um, I said that we were looking for funding for Hand of Pod that, well, I won't say looking for just yet, but I'm trying to work out how we can get some, and I was opening up to suggestions. Please continue to send your suggestions in. We've had some decent ones. Um, one uh, in particular, which is the idea of uh, possibly a Patreon-style sponsorship. This I have to stress that the podcast will remain free to anybody who wants to listen to it, um, but I am considering the idea of maybe setting something up on Patreon and doing like a one-man thing for about 10 or 15 minutes on Sunday nights make sure it's up by Monday morning for those of you in the UK who are commuting to work like Phil mm-hmm. um, with my thoughts on the big games over the weekend and maybe the old WhatsApp contribution from Dan or, or Peter or whoever mm-hmm. else if they're willing to send one in um, if that's the kind of thing that you would like to hear as a listener and that you think it would be worth shelling out say £5, 6 or $7 a month for uh, please let me know via Twitter uh, via my email, via the contact um, form on Hand of Pod. Also, very shortly, possibly as soon as tomorrow, possibly tonight, depending on whether I can be asked to set it up or not, we will have a Facebook page because I've decided oh, really? this. Yes. Um, so I will tweet out the URL once we've got it. I don't want to tell you right now to go to facebook.com slash Hand of Pod because somebody might already have that <laughs> URL. Um, but hopefully. Uh, I will have set up a Facebook page so those of you who don't have Twitter and listen can also contribute your questions to that um, on which note talking of questions we've had a fair few this week Yusuf Amin says how do you think Lanus will recover from the loss in the final I guess this one's got to go to you yeah. depends if you think short term or long term really um, short term obviously sh- short term it's going to be you can't think long term well I mean contextually short term long term but Short term, it will be continuing where they've been muddling through in the league with a slight increase in hope because obviously there's no more distractions. Long term, it's going to be more of an issue. We've discussed off uh, the future of Shojan Miron. Mm. Got ageing players, Maxi Velasquez, Pepe Sand, 37, Roman Martinez, I think he's 35. Lancia Costa's almost 30. These are all key players. The team's already suffered compared to where it was when we won the league. And there isn't the funding, so it's going to be a real issue and it's the moment it's hard to say exactly where it's going to go I've seen one suggestion that if Almiron does leave he'll be replaced by the coach of the Inferiors mm. uh, Camponi I think uh-huh. I don't know if I'm going name there but it, I'm not sure it's going to be very interesting to find out that's not the Carboni who was there a Carboni who played for Lanus the striker about 10 or 12 years ago or something I think he was there for the 2007 title yeah I remember I him. I can't remember his first name, but I remember him. I think it's Carlos. Was it not Carboni as well who played for Valencia in Argentine? Uh, defender. Very possible. Roberto Carboni. Do you reckon Carlos Carboni? I think so. Just Google Carlos Carboni. Carbon with an I at the end, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Apparently there's a fileta, <laughs> fileteador called Carlos Carboni. That's a... Uh, then your art form for yes. those who are not aware. Uh, we can't find any footballers. Footballista. 
No. So his first name is not Carlos. Carboni Roberto, that's what I was talking about. Uh, Roberto Carboni. Oh, that, it helps if I type it properly, but it has automatically corrected that. Yeah, I reckon. Here we are. Yes, it looks like it might well be him. Looking at the Lano switch, no, it may, maybe Ezekiel Carboni. Ezekiel Carboni, okay. Uh, well, that doesn't ring any bells, I'll be honest. Yeah, Roberto Carboni, it's not. Let's have a look. Carboni. Please have a Wikipedia page, he has. And he is. This is yes. tremendously exciting if you're listening, isn't it? Yes, he was with Lanus from 1998 to 2005, so just before Ooh, the, um, title, uh, the title campaign. Then he went to Red Bull Salzburg and then Catania. Of course, he went to And then to, to Banfield for 2011, where he retired. That's controversial. Uh, but brilliantly, his nickname, look at that. And look at his birthday. Kelly. Born five years to the day before me, and his nickname is Kelly, spelt the correct way. Well and done. And he looks like he as well. He's got the blonde hair at least. He's not got quite as voluminous a blonde hair, but no. he has got blonde hair, which in Argentina is enough to say that he's an exact look like for me. Exactly. Uh, I like this man. I hope he gets the job. Yeah. Yeah. Go on then. Uh. Um, well, so that's the answer to Yusef's question. Yeah. They can recover from the loss in the final by appointing Carlos Kelly Carboni. Um, Ezekiel, 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 thank you. Yes, not Carlos Carboni, because as somebody who draws filete, he's almost certainly a terrible football manager. Yeah, he probably doesn't have what it takes for the job. No, but if they want to make the stadium nice and interesting, he could be an he Indeed. could be a chef. Yeah, if if you want to have a look at uh, this uh, Porteño art form, um, then have a Google of F I L E T E. It's it's beautiful. Brilliant. It's wonderful. It's very very yeah. it's, uh, typically uh, Porteño. I don't know whether you. Are familiar with it, Phil, but I'm sure that if yeah. you do Google it, you will recognise the star from wandering around Buenos Aires for a couple of days. Uh, Yusef also asks, after Coca left, who do you think will be the new Racing manager? This one's for you, Dan. And as a fellow Racing fan, Yusef says he would love to know who Dan wants and why. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I've got to say, at the start of the year, I wasn't that keen on Coca coming back because I always think that coaches that come back usually fail. Uh, it's not Cocker's case. I wouldn't say this second uh, this second spell was a failure by any means. We had a very good starts of the year, which um, which uh, Racing Luadores football next year, which definitely will help when it comes to to picking a new coach. This mm. is kind of another something to dangle off the the fishing line there, and to attracting new players for next year, and to attract new players, which will be needed. Uh, I think more than the coach, more you know quite a big investment in the team will be needed kind of more creative players because Racing have looked very short on creativity especially since Marcos Acuna and Gustavo Boa have left uh, I think those two departures weren't really filled at all over um, over the winter coach wise it's always a hard one the guy to be honest who I'd love to see in the job I don't see it as particularly uh, likely but if we're just talking about personal preference, it would be um, Chacha Kudet, who was most recently in Tijuana and got sacked from there a couple of couple of weeks ago, I think. It was Tijuana, right? Oh, really? yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a Mexican club, and I believe He's it was Tijuana. He's already replaced by Cocker as well. It very well could be, yeah. I, uh, They're following each other. With respect right? to Cocker, I believe he will end up in Mexico because he knows Mexico well. He played there, he's coached there, I think he was at Santos in, in Mexico. Kudet uh, would be my choice for the job. I don't believe he'd want to take it on now. After that, you've got, uh, I've seen Zubelia 
mention for the job, which would be a controversial choice because quite a few uh, Racing fans kind of uh, don't really look on his spell at the club. Yeah, uh, I was going to say fondly. he's really, really, really popular there, right? No, not particularly. Why do you like, think about really pointing? It's sort of unfairly looked upon unfondly yeah. because I believe he had a pretty good runner um, as Racing no, coach. He I, brought I, through I, a lot of youngsters. I agree. Was, but yeah, I mean you're right in that he the fans. An awful lot of the fans don't seem to yeah. to him for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It's something I've always wondered. Like he wasn't, you know, a brilliant coach, but he he got us playing some pretty decent football. He had a couple of decent campaigns, and and he brought through, you know, all these youngsters: Centurion, Sucolini, Vieto, who have basically paid for the for the last two years of um, of the team. You yeah. know, like with uh, with the sales. We should point out that nothing is likely to happen before the end of the year because in December, Racing have presidential elections. And also because there are two league games to go now. And also so. because there are two leagues. Yeah, but more, I think more than anything because of the elections. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to wait to see who the next president is or if Victor Blanco will win his second term mm. as Racing president, which I believe he will. He's far and away the favourite, but you'll probably see in the in the news now that his opponents will be talking about Bielsa they'll be talking about Simeone they'll be talking about Guardiola <laughs> there's going to be some some ludicrous names coming out um, my choice would be Kudet uh, if not you've got uh, Gustavo Costas who is always linked to the job when it's when it's vacant and has won leagues, uh, league titles in Ecuador Colombia Peru I think that's the three the uh, the Argentine Jose Mourinho as he's known and also a guy who came through the youth ranks who are racing he knows the club um, I'd pick between those two but who will get the job in the end it's anyone's guess a lot can happen before the end of the year what's Caruso up to at the moment no, <laughs> no, no, no. Caruso is no, Tigre no, no. manager at the moment and, uh, he is yeah and I'm he sure should stay to make the step yeah. up yeah. he should definitely stay there complaining about how people undervalue him and, yeah yeah yeah. Um, and Yusuf says one final question who do you think are the top five current Superliga players most likely to make it to Europe I think we could probably reel these off fairly quickly yeah. because interestingly against Newell's Barcelona was supposedly looking at three river players Marcelo yeah. Saraki um, Mariano Barbosa shockingly and Ulises de la Cruz uh, slightly less or Nicolas de la Cruz like, less surprisingly um, Nicolas de la Cruz from what I understand has already been signed by somebody in Europe and is oh, yeah. on loan oh, on river because he became a dad and wanted to stay in South America oh, yeah. while that was happening yes. so he's on loan for either six months or a year um, I think it's safe to assume that Saraki is definitely going to be going Christian Pavon from Boca I mean Pavon yeah. looking at River and Boca first when you ask this yeah. question is, is the way to go I don't think that's too controversial no definitely Pavon uh, Barco possibly unless yeah, Barco he sure, goes to Atlanta but even then he's going to be moving on to Europe oh yeah, yeah. Lautaro Martinez which is almost mm-hmm. uh, done deal yeah. uh, the Racing kid for Dortmund right there's been a few um, bandied around the Atletico mm-hmm. I think the team that actually made a, a formal offer right. but it wasn't quite up to Racing's uh, expectations but they will be back I'm sure because Apart from anything, Atletico could do with another striker. Hmm. Um, one who scores goals. One who scores goals would be good, yeah. And I think, yeah, working with Griezmann, it could be an interesting partnership, that one. 
Uh, elsewhere, I don't know. Who would you say? I'm not sure. Ah. I like the look of this kid. Uh, oh, Maxi Romero. That is. Romero. I'm going to say the kid at Newell's as well, but I can't remember his name. Uh, Fertoli. Fertoli. He was he was impressive against Rubber. I thought he'd yeah, been slightly underwhelming, so. but also. I'm slightly surprised to find when I looked him up over the weekend that he's played about 30-odd games already for the first team. Mm. And so many of those are sort of 15-minute, 10-minute substitute appearances. Newell's need to give him a run in the team because I think he's, he's got the potential. And certainly a lot of, if you look at sort of uh, Rosarino football journalists mm. on Twitter, a lot of them are big fans. Right. Um, After that amount of 15, 20-minute appearances, you need to make a step up at some point, don't you? You need to give him a yeah, chance exactly, to actually yeah. build on it. Precisely. Um, so yeah I think that given a chance he, he could be good but yeah uh, Maxi Romero is, is another wild card I, yeah. I think that he didn't play as we said in, in Venice's last game and that was a win but I think that the fact that Venice have been doing poorly is the fault of all of the other 18 year olds they've got in the team very possibly very <laughs> rather than the fault of Maxi Romero who uh, just hasn't had the service because they're not a very good team yeah. um, he, possibly he possibly really Gomez from Lanús yeah. I'm guessing he'd be ready for a step up. He almost assuming left he doesn't retire. PSV yeah, last summer. So assuming he doesn't retire. Yeah. yeah, I think I would say. Yeah. PSV January, or, yeah, or PSG? Sorry, PSV. 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 I don't. Yeah. Right at the end, I think that's why they bought uh, Di Placido, who's probably barely played. There we go. Then that's more than five, but hopefully you can get a top five from that. Tariq Al Haider says, "I hope you find lucrative sponsorship." Thank you very much, Tariq. Um, and he says, should Sampaoli consider playing a fullback in place of Salvio or whoever out on the right? Well, I think if Gabriel Mercado's fit, he will be playing, right? Good call, yeah. So he's I mean, a guy, I mean, he wasn't yeah. fit against Russia and, and Nigeria. And part of the problem is, if he's not fit, who else do you have at right Exactly, back? yeah. And you got very little. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine that if Sampaoli's set on kind of playing, you know, with attacking fullbacks, which I believe he is, because that's how he likes to play. You're looking at two first-choice fullbacks, uh, Mercado and Acuna. Mm. I wouldn't have any doubt about that, unless okay. someone on the left comes through very strongly. But I think at this time, Acuna's done enough to to make the position his to lose at least from here until until Russia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's hard to say as well if we're going to take it on what happened against Russia and Nigeria because they were friendly. There were a lot of players out. Uh, Messi missed the second game Sampoli was obviously experimenting uh, I, I think mean, I saw Tarek ask yes, about Los Celso as that, well that, that's true but at the same time they did particularly the Nigeria game expose some problems that we've been talking about for a while oh the problems are there definitely yeah but there's a should. lack of pace and mobility yeah. in the back line there's Sampoli's insistence on playing a back three when maybe it's not the right well you've got to test it haven't you I mean, um, if it's how he wants to play, he can't go into a World Cup without testing it. No, I'd agree. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think we talked about this at the time because I wasn't able to record, but if we're on the subject now, I don't think they're going to be particularly worried about what happened in Russia those two games. It was a learning experience after all the the pressure of the World Cup qualifiers where Sampaoli didn't really have the chance to play the system he wanted and see how, how it worked. He had to kind of just get results with the players he had. Um, there's not much time, obviously, to get it working, but at least he's, you know, made a step in the right direction, trying it out to mixed results. But he won't be too downhearted. I'll go back slightly on what I said earlier with regards to Gomez possibly getting called up. I still think there are some issues with it, but when you consider the 
things that they are looking for in the back line. Yeah, exactly. It's not. A, it wouldn't be a horrendous yeah, shock some... to see Sam Pauli say, "Yeah, we want to." No, try and, that. and this, he this got is called out right recently. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. played a couple of. I think Palma, maybe it was yeah. like six months ago. The, yeah. This is this is why I thought there was uh, Singapore. This is why I thought he had a fighting chance of getting into the squad. Not yeah. so much because he's been playing really not well, but because there are, just, there are the no options. options. Yeah. And he yeah. fits in well with the, at least the style yeah. of what Sao Paulo is looking for. He's not like, lacking for pace and he's yeah. very used to cleaning up behind much slower defenders. So Indeed. He's not that going at least. Yeah, but I miss he's just dropped off a bit in yeah, his, that's it, his so. last six months. But if, he's, if he's willing to look past that and go yeah. purely on merit, then purely on ability, sorry, then yeah. Uh, Difference asks what are you hearing down there about Barco's potential move to Atlanta and what are your thoughts about Primera players using MLS as a stepping stone to Europe I'll take this one to start with at least because as I said yesterday um, I did a podcast appearance on Brian Bertie's podcast the um, uh, Peruvian football Twitterer um, who Peter normally appears on his podcast but Peter's unavailable so they got me in instead Um, and I talked about Ezequiel Barco funnily enough um, and they were mentioning the the guys uh, Brian and um, oh I forgot the name of the other guy There's somebody I follow on Twitter I apologise if you're listening uh, but yeah they, what they were saying or you know sort of telling me was that basically MLS at the moment there's a bit of a sort of thing developing of players going to MLS for 12 to 18 months mm. and then moving on to Europe and it is seen as a stepping stone I think that from MLS's point of view that's potentially a very good way of, of being seen, you know, if, if they can get themselves a, a reputation as a league where tomorrow's talent is being oh, honed yeah. for export to Europe, um, you know, in in okay, in Argentina, this is where it's formed. If MLS can can get a reputation as a finishing school, let's say, Atlanta um, have been leading the way with that as well. With precisely yeah, without with Miron, Miron, yeah. Joseph yeah. Martinez, uh, with uh, Vishal, uh, Assad, yeah. Assad has been playing very well. Tata Martino as well, obviously leading it. Yes. Yeah. So the answer to the second question is, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think it's a good way for MLS to start looking at how they mark, uh, how it markets itself as well. So I'm, I'm confused with the Americanisms about whether I refer to MLS as they or it or whatever. But here we are. I mean, um, not to get into a Cold War discussion or anything, but I'd say that moving to the US is probably a less suicidal career move for these young kids than to Russia or the Ukraine, right? Where they just seem to well, sink like a stone. I don't know, because if you look at the kids who are playing at Zenit at the moment, Rigoni's on... Zenit's on another thing, yeah. I mean, yeah. Zenit, because they've put, you know, six or seven of them I together. Think, I think yeah. Zenit and uh, Shakhtar tend to be the two that yeah. stand alone. Precisely. For example, Metalist we mentioned earlier. Obviously, from the national team point of view, it's not so good, because right. the visibility, it just disappears yeah. For, yeah. for Argentines. But... Um, but yeah, whereas MLS occasionally gets televised down here when there's a dead spot between um, other games late at night on a Saturday or a Sunday and there's no NBA on or whatever. There's a certain attraction for the players as well, the realistic. If you don't get the move, you've still got a very comfortable, very nice standard of living. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's very yeah. pleasant. Indeed, yeah. Um, but yeah, and in terms of what we're hearing about Barco's potential move to Atlanta, apparently he is tempted. I googled this during the break. Um, they have made, or they are about to make, or they're being said to be preparing a 14 million dollar offer which as a transfer from an MLS side to a non-MLS side would be huge and for an Argentine side mm. receiving it would be massive for any it's Argentine a bit of money I think they River, paid it's a lot 10 of million or maybe a bit under 10 million for Miguel Aminon. Yeah, and they credit them that they seem to actually have some news for actually targeting players that aren't the stereotypical 30-odd-year-old Absolutely. Yeah. I think that part of the thing as well with the size of that offer um, 
it is just that if they don't get him in January, in six months' time, there are going to be European mm. clubs coming in for Barco. Yes. Uh, he is a fantastic player. Yeah. He, he's, he's one of the first players since I got down here. I, I remember uh, Eric Lamela breaking through at River Plate. Um, and obviously he, he was sort of a first choice uh, number 10 for River during their relegation season. So it's not ideal situation to, to be um, developing as, as a youngster, as a 17-year-old, when you're all the pressure in the world of being the main playmaker of a team who are about to be relegated for the first time in their history. Um, but Lamela sort of looking the dog's bollocks, and, and that's what Barco looks like to me now. Uh, yeah. And he reminds me a lot stylistically of Lamela as well at that age. He, he's not afraid to take players on. You can see him developing into slightly more physically. He's very, very quick. And interestingly, again, as I said, I was looking up a few interviews with him uh, yesterday. Um, and he says he really, really likes watching the Premier League. He watches several games a weekend and would love to play there. And you got the impression, the way that he was talking about it, that it was a little bit more than the normal footballer's platitude. It wasn't like an interview with an English journalist. It was an Argentine guy saying, which leagues do you like from Europe? And he said, England. He was like, yeah, sometimes sometimes I watch Napoli. I like Real Madrid. They're my Spanish team. But I I watch two or three games at least from England each weekend. I, I love it. Um, and it would be fascinating so yeah I mean if Atlanta can get him for, for a year or for a year and a half yeah. or so before going on to Europe then go for it but they need to get him this January because otherwise there are going to be European clubs coming in I suspect um, Tariq also asks I think Sampaoli modified the midfield moving one central midfielder to the right and having Lo Celso to the left of Messi drop slightly deeper than the equivalent player in Lo Celso's position during World Cup qualifiers uh, wouldn't Dybala fit well into Lo Celso's position? Mm, too withdrawn for Dybala. I think so. I'd say even Messi would do better than Dybala in that position. And I know that we go on about this every time we talk about the national team and Dybala's place in it. And I always say, look, it's difficult to accept. Yes, he's a fantastic player, but Dybala has to be Messi's understudy. Yeah. But surely, I mean, yeah, it is hard luck on Dybala. Mm. But when even Dybala himself has said, I struggle to play on the same yeah. team with him. You think if uh, Argentina in 86, even Boccini was understudy to Maradona. Boccini is one of the best players Argentina have ever ever spawned. But he happened to be after possibly the best player ever to play the game. Some pragmatism is required. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Messi has got, what, three years possibly... At a push, he'll play the 2022 World Cup, but after that, the, the shirts... Even, even they, they're going to have to withdraw, or at least change how he's used. It's not going to be... The, the oh, yeah, but his yeah. game is going to adapt. I mean, he's yeah, going to turn he's, he's 30 deep deep yeah, yeah. during the Russia World gonna, Cup. There's no so. way he's going to be doing the yeah. same thing. There's no, be I've, I've said it before, if they're going to work together, it's going to be Messi who drops back, yeah. and you know, acts more as like a, an Iniesta or something like that. freakish. And Diwala in kind of this Messi position. If they can do that, then... They can make it work. That'd be great, yeah. But we will see. But yeah, I, I think we need to. People should get over the idea of, of seeing them together because mm. it's not going to happen that often, uh, at least in the next couple of years for Argentina. No. Um, Boredom asks, that's a fantastic username, uh, asks, what is the best way to support you? As I said earlier, uh, watch this space basically, but we will be considering it and we will be trying to consult listeners. I'm trying to consult listeners now, so please, listeners. Right give in. us money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us know how you would like to give us money, so yes. that we can try to, so that I can try to put something together. Ideally, what I would like to do is is have enough money to be able to take some myself 
to cover the work of uh, the, the production and, and the uh, sort of extra hours that I've put in to actually get the thing online and then to give people like Dan and Andres and well Phil this once but that's not going to happen um, and Tony and so on a, a little bit of cash each time they come even if it's only you know 100 pesos or so which is about five pounds per episode hopefully we'll be able to get more than that but we'll see um but you know just to so that i don't feel quite so guilty about emailing this long list of people each week and saying can anybody come around to my place to record and i can't give you anything apart from a glass of fernet i feel um, guilty it's the first i've heard of it well a, a little bit fair enough because i don't work for free yeah. and i don't expect other people to work for free but i do sort of rely on the fact that you and andres seem to enjoy recording to just be sort of like yeah this is nice yeah. Um, which is one reason house. I said you know, a week or two ago that I don't think it's going to last another seven years even <laughs> if I'm in Argentina for another seven years which I don't know whether I will be but yeah, we'll see anyway um, we've had some very nice comments from La Liga Gav and from other people saying that they will also support us and then we've got there are two more three new notifications let's see where they're from yes uh, Liam Kelly no relation to me says um, I will support Patreon should you go down that route thank you Liam also you're welcome for getting Phil on the podcast Hard luck. oh yes because it was Liam who brought it to my attention because Phil didn't mention no I, I kept things very quiet because he said to me he said to me oh I did yeah, yes. I, yeah I asked Dan about going to El Salvador. Uh, but otherwise I kept it very quiet until basically I was in Paris airport and said we picked a very bad week to try and get a you know, yeah, uh, in hindsight, yeah. An impromptu <laughs> tour, yeah, tour of Rassi with the whole club in crisis. Indeed. Yeah, uh, if I knew. Yeah, I, I mentioned it at a very late notice, basically in Paris airport, 10 minutes before I got on a plane to say 14 hours and I'll be in Buenos Aires. I'm glad that you did, and I'm glad that Liam, uh, as I say, brought it to my attention. Um, Liam says, hard luck to Lanus last night. They tried, but they had too much to do for the yeah. third successive second leg, and they didn't recover this time. He then asks, are Martinez Cuarta and Machada turn, returning anytime soon from the doping scandal? Is there a mixed or reserved lineup for Sunday? I think the answer to the second question is going to be yes. And I really said After two defeats. Sure got a go yeah, but they've got the Copa Argentina final coming up next weekend. You're not going to get next weekend, like you know, one week to, to recover from the game. But if anyone, if, if if someone breaks their ankle in a tackle, um, so we'll see. But I, I think it's probably going to be a yes. And the answer to the first question, I, I said a few months ago that um, one of them is out until the end of the year and one of them had a suspension that was going to end on something like the 7th of December yeah. I think it was Martinez Cuarta so he technically will be available although he's not going to be at all match fit mm. so we'll see he, I think he's of the two he's the player that they could most use because Rip's yeah. centre-backs have been oh, he's a quality defender like. Machado really right-back is going to be a very welcome re-inclusion yeah. as well um, and Liam says what's this regarding the Club World Cup being expanded to 24 teams how would the places be allocated the answer to that one is that they're going to the plan at least the on the drawing board I really like it yeah. um, is to replace the Confederations Cup with a Club World Cup every yeah. four years and to have the previous yeah. South four America would, for each. South America would yeah. get five spots Europe would get 12 um, and the other continents would get some Right. I think the minimum is two, um, and they would. So the South American ones would be the previous four winners of the Libertadores, right. plus the best team in the FIFA club rankings on the coefficient. Which so if it was right now, for example, um, River, Gremio, uh, San Lorenzo, who won the other Libertadores? And let's go Nacional and Boca Juniors would get the other one because they're the highest ranked okay. in FIFA's club rankings. Um, and yeah, the idea is to play that at the time of year that the Confederations Cup gets played, so June. 
telly. I, I like it. I think it's a better idea. Alongside the normal Club, Club World Cup. No, no, it's set off. Ah, so only going to play it every four years? Yeah. Not every year. I, I think it's a good idea. I'd be on board with that if they brought in as well the, the old Intercontinental Cup. That's yeah, my condition. Yeah. I mean, the South American clubs, I think, would insist on there being some yeah. sort of annual equivalent as well. Can you uh, imagine, like, the first year that, I don't know, Racing, let's say, just for argument's <laughs> sake, won the, the Libertadores and they didn't have a Club World Cup to go to. They'd be out. Outrage. Just outrage. Obviously, might, that's going to happen next year. So Indeed. Just, if it was Independiente, I, su- I suspect you wouldn't be quite as upset. But well, obviously like, not, because I don't support Independiente. I've got no particular... Uh, affection towards them but you know still would be a bit unfair on their fans I'm sure quite we are going to take another break and fill up glasses again and then we will come back and we will make some mystical predictions this week because we're going to listen in each week uh, I was going to pretend to bully him into it but he's already seen it on Twitter unfortunately um, it's going to be me I was going to act surprised yeah I know yeah but I uh, <laughs> it's going to be me against Phil so don't go away This is the first ever mystical prediction section, which is completely live in the studio. It's a very exciting night for Hand of Pod. Did we not do it ever with you and Ozzy Dan? No, we didn't do a head-to-head. It was just Ozzy Dan. It was Mr. And then when he left, I took over. That's true. Um, so yeah, we never actually did it head-to-head. We've, I've only started doing it head-to-head in the last couple of months, because oh. we did it once last season, and it turned out to be quite fun. So, here we go. I'm going to predict, and Phil is going to predict... Um, Phil's already got his uh, <laughs> predictions all written down and I can't see them so I think to make it fair I'm going to read out my prediction and then Phil will read out his prediction please stick to what you've got on the paper because I'll be using that to write up on the I'll confiscate his pen um, so Union against Belgrano I'm going to go for an Union win Phil is going for Union win sensible thinking Defensi Justicia versus Godoy Cruz Ooh. Mm-hmm. on Friday evening I'll go for a draw. I went for defensive. Now I'll look. Huracan against Patronato. Another one. Mm. I'm going for an Huracan win there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Argentinos versus Tempele on Saturday afternoon. I will go for an Argentinos Juniors victory. I've got a draw there. Interesting. Olimpo against Chacarita. Bloody hell. What a if you don't watch one game this weekend, yeah. if you don't, don't watch, watch if you miss one. one game this season, miss Olimpo versus oh, Chacarita. I'm going to go for a. Oh, I've not been noting any of these down. Hang on. What uh, did I say? Union win. And yep. then I said a draw, didn't I, between Defensive and Godoy Cruz. Then I said Moracan win. Then I said an Argentinos win. Uh, Olimpo against Chacarita. <sighs> so, no way the teams can both lose. I'll go for a draw. Probably a minus one, minus one draw if they both do as well goal scoring as they normally do. I, w- I went for Chacarita just because of Limpolo, like they're going to concede more. Okay, yeah. But they both seem terrible. Uh, Independiente versus Rosario Central. I said I was going to look up um, the Sudamericana final dates and I forgot to. I said it was the sixth. Sixth. Sixth, that's seven. next week. Six. Yeah. So I'm going to go there for a Central win because I think that Independiente are going to field a reserve team. Yeah, same there. Doesn't always mean that they'll lose. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not everyone's rapping. Newell's <laughs> um, Old Boys versus. So the two Rosario clubs have just played River and Boca, and this week they're both playing 
the two Amish on either side. New There's Old a Boys. certain neat symmetry to that, I guess. Indeed. Hosting Racing. I'm going for a Racing win. win. What? You're well, I'm guessing you've got a caretaker manager, right? So you're going to get a caretaker bounce. Yeah, but it's a way to Newell's. And again, we always kept Newell's are a bit fucked in. Yeah, oh, but it doesn't matter. Do, I've said it now. I've said yeah. Racing win, so. We always get I went for a draw, but now I'm wondering whether I should have gone for Newell's win given Dan's absolute yeah. payments. Or whatever. I'll say draw. Tacheres de Cordoba versus Estudiantes de Quilmes or de la Plata. Um, I'm going to go for an Estudiantes victory there. Very reluctantly, Sam. Huh? Wow, we're repeating each other quite a lot, aren't we? Tigre versus San Lorenzo. Oh, shit, I forgot to. Did I note this down? Hang on. Who did I go for? Central? Uh, you went for a Racing win. I went for a Newell's. A Racing win, didn't I? Yes. And then I just said an Estudiantes win, so that's yep. three straight away wins. Tigre versus San Lorenzo. Tigre are rubbish. San Lorenzo are quite good. They're now 2 0 up, by the way, against Atletico Tucumán with five minutes to go. Um, so I'm going for a San Lorenzo win there. Once again, same. Boca Juniors versus Arsenal de Sarandí. Um, I think I know what Phil's going to yeah. go for. So to throw something into the mixer, because they're missing Benedetto, because they're missing Welto Bowl, because they look quite ordinary, and because I sort of want it to happen, I'm going to go for the hilarity and say draw between Boca and Arsenal. Phil? Something drew me to the idea of Boca winning this one. Really? I'm, not, I'm not sure what it was. Wow. Yeah. Gimnasia against River Plate. I'm going to go for a Gymnasia victory. I apologise to my fellow River sympathisers. I went for River on that one. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, obviously I'll be delighted if, if I'm wrong and you're right, but uh, yeah. Lanus against Venice Sarsfield. No idea what team Lanus are going to be putting out. Yeah. Um, or what kind of mood they're going to be in. This one threw me in two directions. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw. I went for a Velez win. Well, I'm not confident because Velas are Velas and yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. That's all. So neither are you keeping the faith. I'd love to, yeah, but it's not blind. Atletico Tucumán, the game they're playing right now is the first in three games in ten days. Uh, the ending, obviously, in the Copa Argentina final, which will be their second national final in 115 years of history. Uh, so they're obviously... I think it's safe to assume going to be um, fielding a second string side at home to Colón on Monday evening. I am therefore, combined with the fact that actually Colón are quite a good team, I'm going to go for a Colón win. Same And finally, San Martín de San Juan versus Banfield, I think is going to be a Banfield win. I've gone for San Martín just on principle. Okay. I love how you keep the faith with Banfield. They were like good a few months ago, but... They don't seem to win anymore. Whereas San Martino storming, of course. Oh, yeah. uh, they, uh, oh, actually, hang on. They are a bit better than I thought. Where are they in the table? I thought they were down at the bottom somewhere. They're not. Where is San Martin? 13th. 13th. Oh, <laughs> blimey, yeah. Close enough. One point behind River. Um, and <laughs> level on points with the Estudiantes. So I quite confidently predicted to pick up an away win against Tigre. So we shall see. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, it's an interesting weekend. I think there, oh. there aren't sort of many fixtures that stand out as being like, oh, I've got to stay in to watch that one. But there are a few that have sort of got some potential there, I would say. Tacheres versus Estudiantes could be Ooh. sort of interesting. Um, and yeah, Newells versus Racing has got the potential for hilarity on both sides. Yes. As a neutral. Also. Definitely. I don't know whether you would agree, Dom. Um, I probably won't watch it, to be honest, because I have to go out for dinner at a girlfriend's friend's house. But 
Independiente Central should be the game of the weekend, I think. Yeah. Two teams who play attacking football. Yes, Independiente are probably going to field a... Uh, are definitely, almost definitely going to field a second-string side. But uh, the, the way that Oland sets them out to play and the way that Central took on Boca, very combative, stuck in, in your face. I'm looking forward to that one. Should be good. Quarter past seven on Saturday evening. Um, that's it. We're done for this slightly extended, very extended yeah. episode compared with normal. We've been recording for nearly two hour, hours. Hour and forty. Longer than that. I think it's going to be, end up being a bumper episode. What would normally, a couple of years ago, have been a normal-sized episode, in fact. So if you're a new listener, then just be happy that you aren't an old listener. Yeah, it's a Sure, yeah. But we had a fair bit to cover. Thank you very much indeed uh, for listening. We love you all and uh, with the number of you who are that might even be possible um, but uh, yeah we will be back next week to discuss the weekend of Superliga action and to preview River against Atletico Tucumán unfortunately we don't have any tamed Atletico Tucumán fans who can come and join us for that one no my Tucumán family is all San Martín say, yeah, does your girlfriend know anybody who, who speaks English and lives in Buenos Aires and is from Tucumán she does yeah but I don't think they're Atletico Tucumán fans fan, Ah, there's one guy who's an absolute fanatic, but I don't think he speaks English. Bugger. Do you want to give him some classes in the next few days? We can try and get him in. Only if I'm getting paid. Yeah. If you want an Atletico Tucumán fan on the podcast, get on Patreon. Yeah, get on Patreon and, and send us money. Yes. Um, and Dan will train this person in English. That's Indeed. a semi-joke. No, it's a complete joke, of course. Um, you can't learn a language that quick. You can't. Unfortunately. Or so we've heard. However much you try. We will be back next week. Well, I will be back next week with... Somebody else, possibly with Dan, possibly definitely with Andres, maybe with Tony. Definitely not Phil, definitely unless he has me. another accident on the plane Which and gets be, turned uh, around again. Yeah, interesting. I got off to Portugal and they turned it around. Ah, yeah, that was yeah. fun. It went from Charles de Gaulle to Essaysa to Charles de Gaulle to Charles de Gaulle, and he ended up staying there for 12 hours longer than he should have done. Wait, so he actually got to Argentina? No, 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 no. It was literally from Paris, yeah. all the way over France, Spain, Portugal. Just hit the sea and then it turned around. Oh, right. That's great. I was not happy. Well, you say it's great. It's not really, is it? No. A little bit of sarcasm, this. Indeed. You've been failing to spot it from me all evening, so I thought I'd turn not to spot it from you. Anyway, um, we'll be back next week. Please join us again. Tell your friends. Share us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, if indeed there is a Facebook page to speak of by the time this goes online. And give us money. And Yes, uh, or rather tell me how you would like to start giving us money probably in the new year when we set it up because there's not much point setting up a Patreon with one episode or two episodes left of the year uh, thank you and goodbye from English Dan goodbye from very very special guest mm. Phil See you and thank you for joining us Phil and from me thank you and goodbye San Lorenzo ended up getting a 2-0 win over Atletico Tucumán just after we finished recording, so they're now level on points with Boca Juniors having played a game more at the top of the league. Um, and the second Copa Sudamericana semi-final has just finished. The second leg ended Atletico Junior nil, Flamengo 2, Felipe Viseu. I hope I've pronounced that more or less correctly, scoring both of the goals to add to the one that he got in the first leg. Um, that means that Flamengo... Uh, win 4-1 on aggregate and will play Independiente in the Copa Sudamericana final. If I remember correctly, the first leg of that is going to be next Wednesday in Avellaneda and the second leg, therefore, will be in Rio de Janeiro, I'm assuming, the week after. 
Also, just to uh, confirm something that I said earlier, I have now set up the Hand of Pod page on Facebook, and you can indeed find us at facebook.com slash handofpod. So please go and click like, share us with your friends, uh, and you know if you're not on Twitter, feel free to use that page to ask us questions next week. We will talk to you soon.